In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Christians, the devil desires to deceive you and mislead you into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. He wants you to abandon your faith in Christ in favor of the unbelief that leads to eternal condemnation. This is not because the devil wants or seeks company in hell. Company does not make his punishment any more bearable, and he doesn't actually like any of us humans enough to truly desire our companionship. The devil wants to take as many Christians as possible down with him, because when he does so, he brings down God's most cherished creation, we humans who by virtue of Christ's incarnation are united by nature to the Son of God himself. It pains our heavenly Father when we who are made in his image, whom he claimed as his sons through holy baptism, whom he sent his only begotten Son to redeem, it pains him when we are led astray into false belief that leads to eternal condemnation. And this is the very reason that Satan wants you. So you, dear Christians, must be sober-minded and watchful. For your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him firm in your faith. Do not be caught off guard by the old evil foe. Scripture has clearly warned us that he is on the hunt for us. And scripture has also showed us how the devil seeks to destroy us. We heard an example of this in the Old Testament reading, which depicts the fall of our first parents into sin. Scripture does not narrate for us the fall of Adam and Eve into sin so that we would think less of them. To the contrary, let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. But scripture does make known the fall of humanity into sin, among other reasons, so that we might know in what manner the devil seeks to lead us into temptation. Perhaps one of the devil's most successful tactics for luring man into sin is what we might call the bait and switch. This he did to Adam and Eve, not only by calling the word of God into question, but also by making them question God's goodness and God's love for them. The devil led Adam and Eve to believe that God's word about the fruit and its punishment was not reliable, and that God himself could have been giving them much more than he already was. He could have given them the knowledge of good and evil. Thus, the devil convinced Adam and Eve that it was no sin to eat the fruit. He duped them into thinking that they could be in absolute control over their own lives, that an infraction of God's command was not actually evil because the command itself was unjust. According to the deception of the devil, the only reasonable course of action for Adam and Eve was to eat the fruit. 
But once they bit into the fruit, Satan immediately set the hook, so to speak. There was no way for them to escape his accusations. Before they fell into sin, the devil had no claim on them, no accusation to throw at them. But now he watches them struggle as they attempt to, over, to cover their sin and shame while they try to cloak their nakedness with fig leaves, knowing the whole time that once they stood before God, they would have no defense. The devil's accusations against them would ring true. He would demand that God carry out the punishment that he promised when he gave Adam the command not to eat the fruit, the punishment of eternal death. This is what Satan desires for us too. He wants us to doubt God's word, to doubt God's goodness, to doubt God's love for us. He tries to convince us that breaking God's law is not actually sin, at least not in our particular situation. He deceives us into thinking that we would be better off by breaking the commandments. So he says things like, did God really say, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, and that man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? But God certainly knows that you could use some extra sleep on Sunday mornings. Or perhaps the devil tempts us by saying, has God actually given you enough to be content with what you have? Bow down to me and I will show you the way to worldly riches, comfort, and luxury. As he did with Adam and Eve, Satan presents himself to us as a friend who is on our side, looking out for us to make sure we get the best for ourselves and what we really think we deserve in this life. At least that's what he does until we take the bait. Then he immediately turns into our loudest accuser, pointing out the blunt and truthful reality that we have become transgressors of God's law and are deserving of eternal condemnation. So as I said earlier, be on your guard, for the devil and his minions are always on the prowl. They are always seeking to devour you. Be imitators of Christ as beloved children. The devil tempted Christ in the wilderness in the same way that he tempts us. For Christ was tempted exactly as we are and yet remained sinless. He refused to believe the devil's lies. He did not seek his own honor, but patiently bore the mockery of the devil, always entrusting himself to his father. He did not believe the devil's lies about God's word, but rather he used God's word rightly to thwart the devil. And Christ certainly did not bow down to worship Satan. So also, when you are tempted by the devil, be patient. Put your trust in the Lord for your deliverance from the temptation. For God has promised that he will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability, but that with the temptation he will provide the way of escape. Arm yourselves, as Christ did, with the word of God, so that you may not be so easily deceived 
when Satan twists Holy Scripture to tempt you into sin. Indeed, we see in Matthew 4 Christ as our example. But we also see here in this account of Christ's temptation in the wilderness something much more than merely example. We see Christ being tempted here by the devil, undergoing his mockery and his constant temptation in order to free us from the accusations of the devil that result from our failure to resist his temptations. For as it stands, the devil already has plenty of evidence against each of us. We have all fallen into his trap more than any of us care to admit. The devil already accuses us of our sins to our Heavenly Father and demands that we join him in eternal punishment. But here in his temptation, Christ begins his work of fulfilling the promise that God made to Adam and Eve after the fall. Though they were indeed deserving of death and condemnation, God had no intention of giving them up to the devil so easily. Though the devil rightly accused them of sin, God took away the devil's ability to accuse them by giving them the promise of the seed who would crush the serpent's head. And Christ begins his crushing of the serpent's head here in a most marvelous way. Though Satan ought to have known that he was no match for the very Son of God, he could not help himself or keep himself from attacking Christ as he appeared in the weakness of our flesh and all the more so on account of his 40-day fast. Three times the devil is overcome by the steadfastness of Christ. Christ will not turn stones into bread to satisfy his own hunger. Christ will not jump off the temple so as to tempt God and he will not bend the knee in worship of Satan to gain merely fleeting riches in this world. So it is that Satan must depart until an opportune time. And the opportune time did come. It came when Christ was hanging and suffering and dying upon the cross while he was bearing the sins of the whole world. Here Christ was weakened not only physically due to his torture, but he was bearing the guilt of our sins. But because of this, Satan is turned prey to his own tactic, to a bait and switch as it were. Satan sees a weakened man suffering the wrath of God against sin, and he swallows the bait, hook, line, and sinker. For after three days of perceived victory on Satan's part, Christ emerged victorious over sin, over, the, over death, and over the devil. Christ does not simply reel Satan in, but he destroyed him completely. He crushed his head. For what Satan could not see behind the wretched man suffering the cursed death on the tree for the guilt of the sins of the world, what he did not see was the eternally righteous Son of God. Though Satan momentarily thought he had the victory, he was soon completely defeated. He had no claim on Christ. 
And because of this, he now no longer has any claim on you. By refusing to yield to Satan's temptation, by suffering death and defeating the devil, Christ also gained for you the forgiveness of sins. Your sins are removed. And if this is in fact the case, which it is, then Satan no longer has anything with which to accuse you. Your sins are gone, so Satan cannot accuse you any longer. Therefore, we may boldly resist when Satan attacks us with his temptations. We may boldly trust in the word of God and cling to that as our escape from temptation. And when Satan accuses us of our sins, we may boldly rebuke him, since Christ has removed those sins from us and died for them. For since Christ has overcome the devil for you, the devil cannot win the victory over you who remain in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit,